Hi again, everyone. Yes, it's been a while, but we are back. This is Radio MVP Sports Podcast. Anthony and Tim with you here tonight, today, or this afternoon, whatever your time you may uh, be listening to it. The uh, the website has been updated. Yes, I know I've been behind on that, but I've uh, updated it here just uh, as we finish. So now that I've actually said it before I've done it, I now have to do it. So, see, yeah, there I'm you thinking. go. Yep. Uh, I think it's 154. Yeah, I think, yeah. It might be. I don't know. It's 153, 154. It's in that range. It's a high number. Yeah. And we're happy to be back. And uh, wow. Since the last we talked, the high school football season has uh, basically ended. Yeah. Yeah. Got to the the last uh, week here. And uh, high school basketball for myself begins next week. Yeah. I think Ohio started this past week. Yeah. yeah, I get a basketball begin uh, over in Pennsylvania on the, uh, the 10th. Got a big day ahead of me. Uh, Newcastle is going to have a you know, like a tip off uh, yeah. tournament mm-hmm. for both the uh, the girls and the boys. Mm-hmm. So I will be combination of uh, WKST for the boys, mm-hmm. which will be simulcast on lcsportsnet.com and uh, we and lcsportsnet.com, and we're going to be doing uh, the girls game mm-hmm. prior to the to the boys game uh, on each night. So uh, we may even pick up, I think, the alternate games. Okay. Uh, for both the boys and, and the girls. The girls. So, um, yeah, it could be a very long, uh, very long day. F- yeah, but a fun day. So uh, I'll find out more here uh, next week when I talk to James and really narrow everything down. But my goodness gracious, since we last talked, uh, a lot has happened, transpired. Oh, you aren't kidding. We've. Uh We've had the end of high school football season, the start of high school basketball season. Baseball is in their first lockout since 94. Oh, baseball season began and ended within 24 hours. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and uh, a flurry of big moves. The Indians kind of didn't really do much except for free up 40-man space. But, you know, nobody's going to do anything right now until... Well, until the next collective bargaining out. agreement. Yeah, I mean, here's the bottom line on that. This was... We talked about it a few... Last almost, year. Yeah, yeah, over a year ago. This has been in the works by the management, mm-hmm. baseball management, for the last uh, about eighteen months, mm-hmm. if not longer. Yep. They knew they wanted to get to a lockout. They wanted to try to uh, strong arm the the union, mm-hmm. and the union actually made a really bad deal the last time out from themselves. Mm-hmm. And they're looking to correct it, and the owners don't want that because they have the upper hand yes, right they now. They do, so they they don't, definitely don't want to lose that um, that scenario. So. In the end, they'll get an agreement. When it will happen, uh, I have no idea. And we'll have reality I imagine show it, Yeah, I imagine it will be. Yeah, we'll get to that here. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that. Uh, I was going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a timetable on this and say. February? I was going to say March 1st. March 1st? Yeah, I think they can go all the way to about March 10th before they absolutely get behind the eight ball. They could push the season back and two weeks, and, or yeah, something, yeah, or even ten, you know, less than that. And, and yep, they can open. manipulate the yeah. season to make it work. Opening day is what March thirty first. Yeah. yeah, and I say three weeks of training camp is really the most you need. It's the pitchers that you would worry about. Yeah, you're gonna have to get the pitchers built up, and but that's the hardest part. Uh, and if they pushed it back one week, it would not be the end of the world. Or if they lost the week of games, I don't think anybody's going to cry. No, you're only down to one fifty six. You know, yeah, how many get off down to one fifty four or less. You know, how many off days you have? In the right. First you go back to the last time this lockout happened uh, was ninety five, ninety six season, yeah. ninety four, ninety five, yeah, ninety five season, and came back ninety five. It was a hundred forty four game yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that magical year for the Indians, where they won a hundred games. Of the one forty four and, and they went missed, to the World Series. How many did they miss in ninety four? They missed like the last twenty in the postseason or something like that. August first, they locked out or something. Uh, oh yeah, 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 it was yeah, yeah, so in, in ninety four. So, yeah. yeah, it was basically the last two months of the season, and then all the postseason, and then into the next year, yeah. and uh, or the next season, I should say. And it's um, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be a lot of. Uh, PR wars going yeah. on between the bo- both groups, and uh, I'm not taking sides. I'm just going to sit back and let it, you know, draw out. It's out of our control as fans, and you can have an opinion on it. It means nothing. 
No. I'm being quite straight up with nope. you. Your opinion, either for management or for the players, means nothing. Now, you can talk about a team making decisions and how it'll affect a team at the new collective bargaining. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. Uh, if you want to talk how the next collective bargaining will affect the Guardians mm-hmm. uh, going forward, forward uh, you're more than welcome, or the Pirates, or mm-hmm. the Yankees, for that matter, if you're a Yankee fan. So... Uh, a lot of great baseball news was in the in the uh, making in the last week because all the top players recognized that they had to get deals done by oh, December second, yeah. and that's basically what has happened. Uh, you know, the Searcher deal, which is phenomenal Oof. for him, forty three million dollars a year for three years, op out after two yep. years. Uh, Freddie Freeman, one hundred eighty million over six years. Where'd he go? Yankees. I didn't hear. I heard the Yankees were offering him, and then. Um, well, I, maybe it didn't get done. I, I yeah. that's uh, yesterday. I read about it. Uh, so Javi Baez went to Detroit for one forty. Yeah, uh, you know, you have to make decisions on players and where you're going to make your cornerstone. Mm-hmm. You look at what Texas did. They got a whole Ooh. new infield for five hundred million dollars. Oh man, they and hey, but you know what? I don't blame them. They got a they got a stop. nice lineup. Uh, yeah, now. well. You have to make... They built a brand new stadium down there, and they didn't have any players no. to show it off. So they had to make a splash, and they absolutely they did. did. Yeah. And baseball is a pure capitalist sport, yep. meaning the more money you want to spend, there's really no regulations against us. There's no fair play against mm-hmm. Yes, there's a high luxury tax if you have, what, $220 million or more. Yep. You know, and who knows what that number will be or won't be going forward. Uh, yeah, it helps some of the clubs, and some of the clubs invested that money back into their clubs. Others took the profit. So you know, it it the ownership, the management has issues within their own party, meaning within their own group, mm-hmm. because you do have the haves and have-nots, and you always will under this system, and you know, unlike. Uh, the NFL, which one hundred percent equal mm-hmm. uh, revenue, sharing, yeah. revenue sharing, you know, and you know, baseball. If you're the Yankees and you can get a billion dollars a year in your TV revenue, yep. you're going to take it. While Cleveland may get one hundred fifty million, you know, there's a huge difference. The thing that'll be interesting too is if they put that ceiling in place, a hundred million dollar ceiling, where each team must spend at least a hundred million dollars. Um, then it makes things a little more interesting for the Pittsburghs, the Cleveland. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think it's either. Well, first of all, the players are on for it. The, believe it or not, the players don't care. They don't care if you quote unquote tank. What the players do care about is the middle area of major league mm-hmm. free agencies, where prior to the last agreement in 2016, your mid tier free agents were worth about 10 to 12 million dollars per mm-hmm. player today they're worth around 7 million yep so there's a huge the market, lot yeah, yeah shrink um so that's what they're going to fight for and yes if you had a quote ceiling or our floor mm-hmm. that you had oh, to yeah. spend really i don't think it helps teams tremendously i think you should have a minimum floor i do too uh not necessarily 100 million it doesn't have to be I think 75, 80 million. Yeah, I, it really could be different because you should have the right to truly rebuild. Yes. And yes. if you choose to move on, from, like the Indians did mm-hmm. last season, a few players they moved on from mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, made decisions, it is it's one of those things you have to accept. However, um, if you're as successful as the Indians have been over the last eight, nine years, you're willing to take a few years of mediocre baseball and that, or because you're competitive within your division, yep. you have opportunities. And the Indians, uh, here's me, Indians, the yep. Guardians, Guardians. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna take a while. Yeah, I'll probably well, I'll probably be calling them the Indians forever. But uh, the Guardians going forward does have a tremendous pitching staff. Um, we'll see. They do have a tremendous uh, farm system. So again. We'll see exactly what happens in baseball. I I mean, like I said, right now you just got major spin going on, you know, being day one of the lockout. And we'll go from there. 
I honestly think the real negotiations won't happen until February. Yeah, I agree. And After probably about February 15th is when you're going to see some some significant movement. Yes, I agree. And then it may take up to two to three weeks from that point I, on. It could, you know, I could be 100% wrong. That's I just my guess. I could either see it going one of two ways. Um, it getting done here before the first of New Year because they knew this was coming. So they might try to ramp it up and get going because they've missed most of 2020. They don't want to go into that situation again. Um, however, they are so far apart, and there's a lot of butting heads within the owners and the union, um, and it's ugly right now. It's really ugly. Uh, I I could see probably the second week of March where it gets done. Yeah, I can I see. Mean, I can see it that late. And the and the big time negotiations and conversations don't take place till late January. It really comes down to this in my eyes. How long both sides are willing to hang out for their position. Yeah, exactly. And when will one side or both sides say, let's make an equitable deal yep. instead of let me take advantage of the other party. Mm-hmm. And both of them right now are dug in deep and yeah. we'll just, you know, it's going to take time. And sometimes it happens faster. When you look at the India, or you look at Major League Baseball and what's going on. It's just going to take time. As much as I like to say it won't, mm-hmm. it's just going to take gonna time. Be, it's going to get really ugly before it gets any better. Uh, Roberto Perez moved on to the Pirates. Pirates. Yeah, nice signing for the Pirates. If he can stay healthy, he'll he'll absolutely help that. He ball will club. help that pitching staff immensely. Oh sure, I mean he's a legitimate Major League catcher with uh, the ability to call a game and throw runners out and. You know, and when he's healthy, two fifty is not out of the question. No, no, when he's not healthy, you know, you know. You're, yeah, he is what we've seen mm-hmm. over the last couple of years, and but he'll go out there until it gets to the point where he physically cannot go out there. You know, he doesn't like missing games at all. Well, you know, I've said this before about football players, and I'll say this about basically generally, generally in all professional athletes, mm-hmm. they'll play until you tell them they can't yep, play. Exactly, exactly. There are a few who are the exception mm-hmm. to the rule. For the most part, you have to put them on a DL yep. or a uh, scenario. Yep. If they had their own choice, they'd be out there. Yeah, exactly. And you have to protect now, quote unquote, your investment yep. into the player. Yes, you Years do. ago, you, you you took gambles with players, but now because the contracts are so large that you can't really do that because you don't want to be in a scenario where a player, you know, has a career-ending type scenario mm-hmm. because he came back too soon or uh, didn't take advantage of the, the rest he needed mm-hmm. to heal and, you know, blows out an elbow or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be or shoulder, and then they can't make it all the way yep. back to the highest level and you have a $100 million contract. Yeah, some of it is going to be insured, but still, it's not worth the mm-hmm. risk. So we have, uh, when you look at what's going on in sports today, there's a great term in NASCAR mm-hmm. called the silly season. Mm-hmm. And the silly season, if you're not a NASCAR fan, which I'm really not, but I heard about it over yeah. the years. That is when drivers find new rides for the next season. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get big increases yes. to jump from one yes. team to another. Well, the silly season in college football happens every year at the end of November, mm-hmm. first of December, and, and we this year is on steroids. Well, we've had major openings, mm-hmm. and because of that, we've also had a lot of dominoes effects, yes, yes. which happens because one coach mm-hmm. leaves one program to go in a, for yeah. another. You and I earlier this year talked about Brian Kelly, yes, and I kept saying adamantly that I think this would be his final season at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And I went out and said, when USC's job opened, mm-hmm. that he'd be a perfect fit for USC. And I thought that would, I said, how ironic would it be yes. for our Notre Dame coach to take yep, USC a job. USC job? Well, that did not transpire. However, when we were looking one direction for USC, mm-hmm. they ended up getting a terrific coach and, and Riley from uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, which I think is a phenomenal, phenomenal his pick system and his personality fit that market. Yes. And there's no excuse 
and I've said this before, for USC not to be competitive. Oh, exactly. Well, exactly. Just the talent in Southern California, let alone the entire state, and then a few of the surrounding states that you can get players from. It's just it's not even fair to talk about it because there's just so much talent. Everyone talks about Texas. Yes, Texas has a tremendous amount of California. talent. And Georgia right now has a tremendous amount of talent. I'm not taking anything away from the southern part of the United States and the football they play and the talent that they bring because the population is there. Yes. But the population is also out in California. California. Yep. And... You know, Pete Carroll was very successful keeping pl- keeping players home and then bringing in some top players from around the country. Yep, uh, Riley can do the same thing in uh, Trojan Land, and I think we're going to see the reemergence of of that. And and I've heard a lot of statements. Oh, he's afraid of going jumping into the SEC. I don't think that had anything to do with it. I truly don't, because I honestly think you follow the money, mm-hmm. as we talked yes, about many times. When the offer's there, most of these coaches are not going to turn it down because that's what needs to happen. Uh, they need that type of security. Uh, you know, when you can get yourself a John Gruden-type contract, yep. you're going to take it, and I don't blame them. So LSU was moving on from well, – Here's ahead. a funny story. Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly both have the same agent. Ah, interesting. And, you know, you mentioned the – Looking one way and then looking another. Mm-hmm. That was Brian Kelly's whole comment last week. That at the time it was like, oh, all right, you know, it's, it was the I don't want to be an a hole, so I'm going to give you this, you know, fairy godmother comment, and you know. But he said something there. It's telling. Sometimes you're not looking at what you should be. Right. And um, obviously, if you're a successful coach, you're going to have. Lots of interest. Urban Myers had it. Jim Trestles had it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you said, Bob Stoops had it. Every year, if you're successful, your agent's phone will be blown up with potential suitors that think you're a great fit for the university and you know, or professional team. And um, Look, here's you, you know, you're right, and that's how the dominoes fall. And obviously, LSU went out and chose their guy and Brian. Kelly and they paid him handsomely. Yes, um, they did, you know, basically a hundred million dollars for ten years, and uh, you no know, more power to him. I can't. That eight. You can't. You know, here's the thing. And as big as Notre Dame is, and as much money Notre Dame has, yes, they probably could actually afford to do it. Ethically, I don't think they want to go down that big of a road. I have so much to say about this. I mean, there's uh, there's a ton I want to say about it. obviously. It's uh, personal for me, you know, losing a coach like this. And um, let me say this, first of all. What Brian Kelly did in 12 years is impressive, considering where the program was when he took over. He's left it in good hands. It was in the depths. Um, It was not good. There was very little talent there. Um, Then he had a a down year and then he had a reset and the reset you know five straight ten win seasons a couple playoff appearances and um however we talked about after the toledo game there in this year when they beat florida state by three in overtime in a game they had an 18 point lead and choked that away um toledo they were they just struggled the whole game had to get a game-winning drive with the last minute um and beat uh, Toledo 32-29, I came on the podcast and said, I said I'm done. And I remember saying, I, I'm done with him. I, I don't want anything to do with him anymore. I, I, was tie, it was, I was ready for him to move on. Yeah. I and mean, I think um, if you listen to Jack Swarbrick's comments uh, that Notre Dame AD, um, I could get the feeling, too, that while Notre Dame would have maybe counter-offered what LSU had to offer, I don't think they were willing to go over the deep end because, A, I think kind of, too, they just got stale you know, with each other. And after 12 years, sometimes you just need to move on. It's not anger. It's not, I hate this, you know. It's just at one point you just move on. Um, and Notre Dame for years had, does not want to go down that rabbit hole, as you mentioned. And it goes back to... 
Father Hesburgh when he was here because he was so fearful and he was committed to make sure this did not become a football factory. Well, it's not even that. I, I'm not disagreeing with that belief because I think there's fa- there's there's absolutely absolutely uh, evidence of what you're yeah. saying. I will also go on and say it all depends on who's running the program and how. Mm-hmm. Now, Notre Dame is one of the most stressful jobs in college football. Yes, yes. And that's one reason why coaches usually don't get a second contract. Very few of them ever did. Or they worked on a year-to-year contract, you know, going way back to par season mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, it's a totally different world back then um, than it is today. Well, you and now, <clears throat> Kelly has spent 12 seasons there, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. Most coaches don't last 12 seasons in Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, he, I think he's the second lo- longest tenure coach in Notre Dame history. Yes. I think Parsees may have been 13. Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, Leahy uh, was not long. Devine only lasted five Leahy years. Leahy was 11, I believe. And, and Devine was five. the last five. years, it, it was yeah. right. really tough on his health. He was in the hospital a couple of times. Um, Holtz lasted 10. Right. Um, and he's on record saying him and Parsegian and Devine are on record saying that they weren't tired of coaching. They were worn out and tired of always maintaining that standard because right. no matter what you do, they're going to want more. You know, Devine's an interesting case. Fair or unfair. Devine's a really interesting case because he came from the NFL the to Packers, yeah. Notre Dame and had success for the five seasons yep. he was there. And chose not to renew his contract yeah. and move on. And then Notre Dame made some interesting choices yeah. along the way. Uh, and, and, then, and then Holtz came yep. and brought the program back up. Yep. When Holtz left, another yep. downspin. Mm-hmm. And then Kelly has brought him back. And take nothing away what he's achieved and take nothing away what the program has done. Um, I thought, personally, they maxed out with Kelly. I don't think... Yes, yes, they did. I, and, I, and that's not a... It's just, like I said, so you run a course at every yes. job yes. in he, sports. No matter what sport, you're, what team you're running, um, if it's a professional baseball team or football team or collegiate team, you have a lifespan. There are a few exceptions to the mm-hmm. rules, like Coach K, yeah. who basically could make yeah. his own. It got to a point where mm-hmm. he could make his own end yeah. date, in which he has yeah. this year. and But... You're gonna in basketball is a little different. You do have a little bit yeah, more, little, more you leeway, twenty yeah. twenty year yeah. type runs yeah. cer- for certain coaches, certain places. But even today, it's difficult to get af- past ten years yes. at, at any school. Um, and we'll be interested to see what happens Let, as we go forward. Now, I was gonna what I was gonna talk about is with all the openings that you have, it'll be interesting to see now with. Oklahoma being open, what they choose to do. Uh, Notre Dame went with the defensive coordinator. Not, not officially yet, but it's, it's a, done deal. It's in the final stages. It's a done deal. It's just a matter of negotiations. Um, they basically have, uh, both have come to agreement that this will happen. So it's just, you know, it's a matter of how long the contract will be. It's just a negotiation. Let me say this. And um, I think it's a great choice, by the way. Five years, or five years, or, um, Brian Kelly was a successful coach at Notre Dame for what he was hired to do, and that was return the program to being nationally relevant. And sans a couple seasons in the first couple years and the and a season or two in the latter couple years, he was he got the program to being nationally relevant. Um, it's no secret though that he got tired of recruiting, and whether that be the you know recruiting with the restrictions in place um, or just growing tired. A lot of coaches have grown tired of recruiting. Um, It's very evident in his quarterback recruiting that he just came in as an offensive quarterback guru and every quarterback that they had regressed. They didn't, they weren't, you know, some were better than others. Um, Some were over, some were completely overmatched. That should not have been there. Um, So, I don't want to, you know, he was not a terrible coach. Was he a great coach? No. Um, but um, I was ready for him to move on. It was, 
it has gotten to a point where it grew stale, and um, that happens. I don't fault him one bit for taking more money because we've all been there. We've all been in jobs where we've taken a job for more money. Yeah. That's fine. The The problem that I have and many have with it is the way that it was handled. And the, and the whole thing of he was in western in Southern California and in Orange County Saturday night and Sunday morning recruiting on behalf of Notre Dame while this deal was being done. Um, the whole, you know, I didn't want it to get out until next week and then uh, sending a text message, that's ridiculous. Well, here's... That, that's ridiculous. Um, and it's uncalled for and it shows the person that he is. Well, yes. Because he did it at Cincinnati. He did it at Central Michigan. He did it at Cincinnati. And he did it in Notre Dame. And the old saying is, if they cheat with you, they will cheat on you. Um, look, I don't have a problem with him leaving it all for more money and what his family wants to do, what's better fit for his family. But you don't leave any job like that. And maybe that's the way I was raised. That's why I called it a silly season. But this is... What I, now, but let me let me stop you for a second. I understand the ethical stance. And yes. I totally agree with you. On the ethical stance, okay, you do it the proper way. Yeah. You should do it the correct way. However, we're talking about $100 million, and this negotiation was between his agent and mm-hmm. LSU. Yes, he knew about it. Yes, yeah. he was informed the entire way. Yep. His agent made the deal for yep. him. He had some... He had total knowledge of what the, what was transpiring. He, he has tr- total knowledge of what's transpiring. Now... About him recruiting in California. Technically, I will say this. You do your job until you don't have your job. Yes. And you should do it. Because here's the problem, and and this is with negotiations, and it happens all the time, is you hit a snag at the last minute, and it falls apart. Yeah. So if that's the case, he still has his job to take care of. When he's out putting feelers to Florida and to other schools. Oh, sure. He was looking to move on. He knew... He knew, and even Swarbrick said the last couple of weeks of the season, he could feel him getting a little restless. Um, I even made the comment, too, of the Virginia game. His sideline demeanor was just not what it has been. Now, his sideline demeanor from 2010 to 2016, completely different. It was in your face, purple face, screaming, going berserk. From 16 or from 17 on, it was a little more calmed down. He was still intense. But it just seemed to me that he was kind of withdrawn. Um, do I think he coached looser and they played looser? Yes. Um, I have a problem with the way it went down because you have your team 11-1 in a year that you were rebuilding where in the month of November you lost all your captains, you lost a top three defensive player in college football in middle October, and you had him playing much better from the second half of the season on, um, you are in contention for New Year's Six Bowl game, and the best you can do is a two-minute meeting and not even answer questions from those guys, and you send him a text at, you know, 10.30 at night, three or four hours after this all broke. It's chicken. It's, it's, it's chicken. It's a coward. It's a classless move. And I'm sorry, but everything he said yesterday in his press conference is the same garbage he said at Cincinnati. Sure it is. It's the same sure garbage he said at Notre Dame. Sure it is. All coaches use the same speech when they change jobs. And the whole alignment thing and resources and blah, 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 blah. Um, I'm going to say this now. And look, you're not going to be playing. Now, this past year, the first week of November, you played Navy. That's a rival game. It's been that way for over 90 years. Next year, he would have played Clemson in the fourth week of November. That's a big step up. I can guarantee you he'd rather be coaching against those teams than next year when he has to play Alabama and Nick Saban. Well, because right now, right now, Brian Kelly's the fourth best coach in that conference. Yes. He's not pairing uh, well, Nick Saban. First, well, no, He's not pairing uh, Kirby Smart. He's no. not pairing Jimbo Fisher. Well, I'm not going to, you know, I'd say him and Fisher about equal. Fisher's won a national championship. Yeah, that's, that's insignificant to me. Uh, just overall Fisher game management, they're about the same. Oh yeah, game management. Well, that's all you really matters. But he's won a national championship. And yeah, that, yeah. I mean, and that puts him 
Yeah, it's nice. You know, but it's a trophy whole, in your closet. You know, I think he's a coward. I think he's classless. And I'll tell you this. Well, those I don't disagree with. The talent level at LSU right now is not good. It's not good, period. It's, it's decent. Not been, it, yeah. It's not well, good. Again, we'll um, we'll find out what he can and can't do. He can't he gotta, afford eight and four seasons his first two years like he was at Notre Dame. Well, here's the thing. I'm not disagreeing with you. But I, it's not your problem no more. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It sometimes well, it, it sometimes is, you just move on. Well, it, and we will move on, and we will move on this weekend. But it's still, you know, um, don't say you love the guys. Don't say you know he's a spineless coward. Um, Most coaches will leave any scenario for a better situation, and whatever that scenario may be. Sometimes it's a leap up in, in competition and everything else. Usually it's the money. Sometimes it's the position of where you're going. Uh, that was where Ohio State was. Jim Trestle went mm-hmm. from Youngstown to Columbus, mm-hmm. and that was step up in competition. It was also validation for what he's achieved. And he was very successful in his run at Ohio State. When he left, and then Fickle came over for that one year, it was a transitional year, and then that same talent basically under Myers went undefeated in the next year. Mm-hmm. And Meyer was the same thing. Yes, did Meyer get paid? Of course he did. Yep. He was he had he had the resume mm-hmm. that you were talking about, yep. Jimbo Fisher. You're gonna get the, you're gonna get paid. Yep. Just like Brian Kelly got paid yep. because he's leaving Notre Dame mm-hmm. for another job, which is unheard of. Uh, it just doesn't happen. It's the first time ever. Uh, and yeah. First time in 114 years. Yeah, that someone actually resigned yep. mm-hmm. from Notre Dame to take mm-hmm. another yep. position. Uh, but, look, again, the world has changed. Yeah. And, and um, my point is, you're all, if you want top quality, you usually have to pay for it. And you yes. usually have to and make that's it. that's what Notre Dame needs and, to do and now. That, is and, well, I think they... I, they I honestly believe... Step up. Well... I believe that they actually made a quality decision. I think this is an absolute home run hire. It is. It was the only logical choice. It was a logical choice, and, it I, was and I give them credit an for doing absolute it. Absolute dynamite move. Um, they needed to make it as, as smooth as transition as yes. possible, and they found the when perfect got, scenario. Look, when, when they, he came from Cincinnati last year, and everything he's done at Notre Dame as defensive coordinator. Uh, and then he, beyond that, he has the entire team believing in him. When the entire team basically goes to the the people of yes. Notre Dame and say, this is the, our guy, you have to listen. And you'll be more than willing. That, and this is where the negotiations of a contract mm-hmm. is. Is it a three-year deal? Is it a five-year five deal? Well, five years is normal. Mm-hmm. But they've done three in the past. Yes, they have. Yes, so, they have. And that's what they did with Tyron Willingham, too. Exactly. Like, exactly. Kinda. So let's let's just wait and see what the final numbers are. I mean, it might be a three-year with two options or something like that. Who knows? I'm not negotiating it. it. My point is they will make the decision that they think is best. I honestly believe that they found the perfect person under the circumstances that they knew, but I think they always had this in their back pocket. Yeah. Because as you were talking about how Kelly was putting out feelers for yes. the last year, uh, and it's been pretty much known, I think. Everybody kind of knew if the offer was going to come, yeah, and you, it was going to leave. And you have to be prepared. I think Notre Dame was prepared. Yes, they were. I, this was not I, caught off guard, and I believe they had a plan in and an idea, and when the players stepped up and voiced their concerns, and they had a voice in the yes. thing, give Notre Dame credit. Yes. And that is something that most Which universities is, will not do. do. No. No, they will not. And, and that's kind of what, you know, when Jim Trussell was forced out of, at, at Ohio State, they, yep. you know, it was late in the year, mm-hmm. and it was the players yes. who basically was big and Jim Trestle actually endorsing yes. the idea of Fickle taking the job yes. for the year was a big part of how he became the interim coach for that season. Uh, so, yeah, players should have 
some, especially nowadays. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. Uh, some this, voice. I'm not saying they're, they're going to have the ultimate voice, voice, but they but they, have s- they need to be heard. And I think the cases was made, and I also do believe Notre Dame was not caught off guard. No, and they no, knew like Jack's word They already so. had a really good idea who they would offer the job within the organization. You know, I was having fun on on, on social media because. The minute yep. the word came out of Kelly was leaving, I was like, oh, let the rumors yep. begin. Let the rumors begin. Yeah, and it has nothing to do. I never, ever thought Meyer would be even no. taking, first of all, offered a job or taking a job, okay? Uh, simply because they went after Meyer 20 first years time. ago and he turned them down. Yeah, I don't no, think yeah. it was going to turn around no. and leave the NFL no. for this job. Now, uh, does. The question here is really interesting, and and we'll never know this answer. This is just pure speculation mm-hmm. type question. If Meyer never took the Jacksonville job, what job would he want that came open? USC. I'm thinking that too. USC. Yeah, I'm thinking that too. I don't. I just think he wanted to test his metal. He's already won in the Big Ten. He's oh, already I, won in the SEC. So why not go to that recruiting hotbed? In a conference where you're now, no offense to Oregon, they're good, but they're, eh. yeah. Oregon but is Oregon, Washington, all those other schools Utah, of, eh. uh, yeah, all those other schools of the Pacific Northwest and the the Pac-12. Yes, they build for it. They're kind of like what I talk about in the Big Ten with Iowa mm-hmm. and in, in Illinois yes. and uh, Wisconsin. They recruit with a long-term yes, thought process exactly. to put exactly. a two- or three-year run exactly. down, the run, exactly. down the line. And then kind of rebuild. And yes. Yeah, because yes. they have You're right. to. You're and right, some of those teams are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Top-notch teams. They're top five, top Utah, three yeah. teams in mm-hmm. the country. I don't want to take anything away from what they achieve. My point is, there's a cycle there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're not a sustained mega horse that wins like Ohio State, like Notre, and Notre Dame fans has. Don't expect them to. Right. You're, you're right. But you know, eight the, and four throw schools is. Here's what has happened though. There's no excuse for USC ever, no, ever, to ever be, to win less than eight, nine games yeah, a year to be to be this insignificant in college football. I, I'd like to go back. And um, the same thing happened to USC years ago before Carroll took yes, the job. When John My, Robinson left and they... Right. Yeah. Interesting note is Carroll took the job at the same time Trestle got down in Columbus. Yep. Same year. Mm-hmm. And you look at those two and look how successful they both were at that same time. Yes. One in the Big Ten, one in the Pac-12. It was the old rivalry back of the Big Ten Pac-10. Yes. Yeah. And the, uh, the SEC was kind of showing its face but not ready not, to push... They were knocking on the door. Yeah. They were knocking on the door. Myers started knocking on the door when they beat Ohio State. Right. And it was like, oh. Exactly. You and know, then, then remember they, going into that game, it was like, Florida? Yeah. It was uh, like, Ohio State's web to feel clean with these guys. I think everybody thought, because Florida kind of came through the back door. Yeah, they were three. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and then again, Ohio State came through the back door one year, too. Yeah, two, they did. And, but that's just the way the system worked. But once Florida... And then LSU, and then Florida again, then Alabama won. Right. It's like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, there really hasn't been. They got committed. Right. Well, and quite honest with you, they had some great coaching down yes, there, they did. great recruiting, and they were able to dominate the talk. And they had CBS who pushed that SEC, yes. and still does. Uh, Until to, next year. Yeah, through next year. Yeah. They still talk about, I mean, we'll see what happens. But my point is. Uh, It'll be interesting to see uh, how how this all develops going f- going uh, into the future. I'm curious to see what happens in Oklahoma. I'm yeah. curious to see, you know, the, how some of these other openings happen. The Oklahoma- and I want before we go any further, mm-hmm. I want to say this, um, and I said this on social media a couple times. I don't expect Luke Fickle to leave Cincinnati. No. Oh no way, no way. And I think and it's not and, and it's not. About opportunity and money, it is what he's built there. Yes, and, and he's going to the Big Twelve in a couple of years. Well, I don't even think it's. Let's, Luke Fickle may be more influenced. I'm not saying he did not learn under Myers because I'm sure he, he learned tremendous. Meyer, yeah, tremendously under Meyer. However, 
and I may be biased here. I see a lot of I see a lot of Trussell. Oh in God, him. yeah. Oh and, God, and, and yeah. One thing Trussell did is did he always leverage Youngstown State to get better yeah. raise? Of course. And I think the same thing will happen with Fickle at, at Cincinnati. And I think that was an and here's the thing. Today, yeah. Um, in three to five years, and this is not shocking the world when I say this. Could Ryan Day move on to the NFL? Yes, ab- because And who do you think would be one of the this. first people who want that job? I've said this since Fickle got the Cincinnati job. Oh, sure. Was this is the opportunity that, of a lifetime. You know, um, and look, it may be true that the only two places Luke Fickle would consider leaving in a normal circumstance are Notre Dame and Ohio State, his alma mater. Um, but you're right. He did learn a lot from Trussell of, you know, what you have here is really special. You use it for a little bit of leverage. Um, he's got Cincinnati humming in a matter of four years. Um, Cincinnati, very well. And they're in a tremendous position because they're 60 minutes away from a playoff bid. God forbid if they get upset by Houston. Now, Houston's a really good football team. Too. Yeah, they are. Um, if they get upset, they're going back for a third straight New Year's Six Bowl. Right. We're, we're going to be in the Big 12 in a couple years when Oklahoma and Texas. Now, Texas is awful but still when Oklahoma and Texas are not there right you could be right in the thick to win the Big 12 as soon as you get in there oh sure and the pressure at Cincinnati look he's going to go what 12 and 1 this year 12 and you know whatever he's going to win 13 he's... 14 games maybe and next year when they you know graduate a lot of kids have kids going to the NFL you're going to be 8 and 4 9 and 3 he has a chance at to build other a program. schools people be like what the hell is going on? You won 13 games last year. You won 10 games the year before that. And you're going to, you know, nine wins next year. They're going to build a statue of the guy. Well, it is more about fit for him. Yeah. And it's more about where he lies in life and what he wants to do. I don't, I'm just saying, do I expect Ryan Day to be, if Ryan Day's at Ohio State for 10 years, I'll be shocked, but I, I will too. But I'll not necessarily be. Um, Ryan Day fits the NFL game. Well, he fits anywhere. That's mm-hmm. the problem. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem when you have a coach, you know, unlike Meyer, who is adjusting to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Day was in the NFL for a while. Yes, and he came was. To the You're college. right. And, You're exactly right. And, and that, it's kind of, my, my point is, when the right opportunity comes. Now, what job that is, where, I have no clue. But will he take it? Probably, because yeah. the money will be there and the opportunity. And it also, he may have made his um, legacy already where he's mm-hmm. at by then. Mm-hmm. Who knows? We'll see how that develops, is my point. We've only, you know, he's only had... Three years. Exactly. Yeah. He may have three more years. He may have five more years. We don't know. Yeah, we it's don't opened know. it, is what I'm saying. Let it me. may be next year. Who, we can't make that decision yet. Could be this year if the Bears job comes open. I don't you know. Uh, hey, well, the Bears job will be open. It's just a matter of when and who they what they choose to do. But uh, do they want to go the route of a college coach? And, and well, I again, it, I think Let it me. all depends on, I mean, this is all speculation. And it's tough to, it's tough to speculate when you just don't have all let, the information. Let me get But back. the answer is, Will the will the Bears job be open? The answer is yes. Yeah. I think everybody. It doesn't matter if they went out the rest of the season. That job will be open, um, and it, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. That's and what, that's you know. And that's why you know, getting back to Notre Dame, I believe, in my opinion, Jack Swarbrick is an elite. Uh, he's perfect director. for them. He is. Yes, he is perfect. He is of the. He still respects and understands traditions at Notre Dame, but he's modern and he has a forward way of thinking, which at a university like that, you have to be forward and progressive thinking. Well, look what I he's done with the basketball elite. program. Exactly. And that's what and that's what everybody doesn't you know Sam I somebody told me yesterday, Oh God, he's terrible at hiring coaches and I'm like, Huh? <laughs> I go Eight, the good thing is he hasn't had to hire a lot of coaches. He's had to hire a football coach, and he really didn't have to hire a women's basketball coach because that was already predetermined that Neil Ad would take over from Muffin McGraw. Right. But let me say this, though. He hired Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is, if you want to use the wins, vacate or not, you know, whatever that, he's one of the all-time winning coaches at Notre Dame. He's played for 
He's been to a national championship game and been to the playoff two or three years. Exactly. So, and and what you have to do nowadays, maybe it's my Jim Trestle thought of thinking, he's prioritized the rivalry games and he's dominated the rivalry games. So, he got that higher right. He got Neil Ivy higher right. Notre Dame is graduating players at a higher rate, which you have to do, but they're competing in all the other sports. They're winning championships. Golf, cross country, women's soccer, lacrosse, um, men's and women's basketball. You know, people want to see the facilities. Okay, well, they want a football facility. I want, uh, they got the football facility. They want the basketball facility. They got the basketball facility. You know. Let me, uh, uh, not to stop the Notre Dame love here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I agree with everything. He's done a terrific job. And mm-hmm. I'm not here to deny that. I agree with you. When you look at the situation that's in front of Notre Dame this week, mm-hmm. Notre Dame needs to be the biggest Georgia fan in the world. Yes. <laughs> well, and, let me say and this. And I'll be quite let honest with you. This. It would be even more glorious for Notre Dame if Iowa somehow got the upset. Let me say this. And I would definitely make that opening for them to be secured as a two or three seed. Here's what worries me after. I didn't really care where they're ranked. Five, six, it's going to play out. But here's what worries me is there's a coach opening. They don't know who's going to be the coach. So my thought process is, and a couple people I've talked to is, Notre Dame needs to announce this before Sunday, because uh, they announced time. Sunday. So, and they said, we take player and coach availability into. Yeah, I don't I, want I, them to get, if there's a shred of doubt of as a team A or the Rame, you know or, what? They leave them out. This is the problem with groupthink. This is the problem with groupthink, is that you have biases. Yes. And that bias could come into play. Yes, I'm not could. saying You're it right. w- However, no, it will. However, however. However, I will say this. If the worst-case scenario happens for Notre Dame, meaning Michigan wins, mm-hmm. Alabama, Alabama wins, wins. Uh, Oklahoma State, State wins. wins, it's difficult no matter what. Yeah. Even if Brian Kelly was, was there, there yeah. it would be difficult for them to yeah. get into that top four under the, under the rules that we're playing under. I'm not saying they can't, and I think you can make a case for them to be in it. It's just we're they're kind of on the sidelines Waiting to see what happens. Well, yeah, and exactly. that's a difficult scenario. This is what I was talking about. One of the disadvantages Notre Dame has as an independent now because of the emphasis on championship games yep. in conferences. They have become second-level bowl games. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, these, you're right. And when I'm, because they're playing that extra game. They're always going to be fresh. Yeah. They're always going to be fresh in the minds yeah, of the committee. Exactly. Because Notre Dame will never be in that situation. Right. And under those circumstances, and I'm just being honest here, and this is what I said before, and I'm saying it again, I'm repeating myself, that's going to always be a, uh, an obstacle for them to yeah. overcome, especially when you have a crowded field yeah. That we have right now. Because Cincinnati mm-hmm. legitimately belongs in that top four. Alabama and 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 Georgia playing for the championship game. The loser really if it's if it's if, a close game. If it's a close game, I still think if no if, if Alabama loses <coughs> because of the way they played the following week. I agree with you. I agree that with they you. should not be in. But However, if they, they would have blown out Auburn, and they would have lost by a field goal or so or a touchdown to Georgia. Oh, they would have the benefit of the doubt. Um, let Which me, is wrong. Let me say but, this. You know, Alabama's I, winning that football game. I've learned over the years, you don't bet against Nick Saban coach teams. Well, very so. game. Yeah. The last five times he's been an underdog, he's won four of them. Yeah. So, um, and, the, and he hasn't lost since 2008 against Florida. So it's going to be interesting. He's, it, um, but it, this, if you make the playoff, great. Yes, we want to make the playoff. If you don't, this is the best case scenario, though, because you have on the job training and experience for Marcus Freeman and all these guys now that, look, if you win, freaking fantastic. That's awesome. If you lose, it's like, 
okay, we now have experiences together being in charge decision makers for the first time together. Well, yeah, you move forward. You, 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 move you forward have a barometer new, of what yeah, you can do right. instead of going, you, you know. Yeah, um, I, I just look at it this way. You, the torch has been passed. Yes. And now you move forward under Notre this Dame. new leadership and you see where it takes no. you. I'm just saying right now today, you know, on a Thursday evening, mm-hmm. Before the championship yep. games get played this weekend, mm-hmm. in the crowded field that's there, including mm-hmm. Notre Dame, yes. take I take the Kelly situation completely out of the equation, me personally, mm-hmm. because you don't, in my mind, deter a team mm-hmm. for their success that they've yes, had. You're right, and but I honestly do believe not having a championship game puts them less in the minds. Of the committee going forward. So Alabama, if they would lose, would still have maybe an advantage over a one-loss Notre Dame, which I'm not saying is correct, but it would not surprise me. Uh, If Oklahoma wins, if Michigan wins, now you you get Cincinnati winning. I'm just saying, all of a sudden... Those four spots become very, very valuable, the, and then you have to. You can make a legitimate case for Oklahoma State yes, over Alabama, absolutely. and because they would be twelve and one, and you know, take the, the one their championship, one, two losses out of it. Your goal as a committee is to put the four best teams. See, that's the problem in the college football yeah. playoff, and and I disagree with that. If you ask me, if Alabama's got two losses, I don't think you can determine the four best teams. I think you have to truly. Reward those who won something. Yeah. For example, whoever wins the SEC is in. Whoever loses very well could be out. I think Georgia's in no matter what. Well, I think you're right, which I think is wrong. I think you... you, Because if they get beat by 30... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they get beat by one or they get beat by 30. Yeah, I mean, a loss is a loss. It's still in the L column. Because then you're not giving credit to the other teams that won mm-hmm. and did succeed and did win their conference championship. So, to me, if you have two teams equal, like, for example, the SEC does, mm-hmm. two great teams, mm-hmm. only one can survive. You know, it's like a tournament. You win, you move on. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, this is the the round of eight with mm-hmm. the with yeah. the, a potential five for yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying, it, it, technically, that's basically where we're at. Um, winner moves on. If Cincinnati loses, they're not in. A Cincinnati loss hurts Notre Dame. Right. Period. But if Cincinnati loses, they're not in. No, they're not. That gives room for a, for, a, for an Alabama mm-hmm. if they would lose exactly. to Georgia You're to right. stay in. You're right. If Oklahoma loses, it gives Notre Dame leverage mm-hmm. going in. You know, I, there's a lot of scenarios here, and we won't know until it all comes out. That's why I've always been never paying attention to these preseason or during season rankings. No, uh, well, it's all PR, anyways, yeah. because it's just a full airtime on a Tuesday night. Whatever, I didn't even pay attention. I didn't. I didn't even know what the rankings were until I had to mm-hmm. this past week. I'm like, all right, now who's in? Okay. Two rankings matter. Sunday is the last ranking. Of well, yeah. The yeah well, that's, that's it. it. That's it. You have to play the season, and then this committee makes a decision, right or wrong. This committee makes. It's a decision. almost like our it's, approach in baseball is: you control what you control, win your games. If you have a conference division, win your conference divisional games, and at the end of the year, you're going to be where you deserve to be. Well, that's. All sports should be in that basic general claim. I mean, you have your positional. Do you think they should expand the field? Well, yeah, it should I be eight. Should it do. should be eight. I agree. With it, it doesn't need to be twelve. Doesn't need to be sixteen. It should be no, eight. but you don't want buys or anything like that because right. then you're splitting hairs of yeah, who deserves who, a buy and who right. doesn't deserve a buy. It's ridiculous. You know, um, eight teams. It, there's no I, I have a feeling it's either going to stay at four or go to twelve. 12. I agree, and, with you and there. it should be I agree eight. There. Eight makes the total sense, but again. We're Money talks and BS walks. Let me, let me finish with this. Um, the hire Marcus Freeman shows that Notre Dame is finally, maybe, getting out of the stuck-in-the-past, the old traditional mm-hmm. Notre Dame. And look, that's great. It is tremendous to respect the history and respect traditions. That's great. But sooner or later, you can't keep saying, this is our goal, this is our goal, this is our goal. 
but you're not putting it into action. The um, it's a young forward-thinking coach. You're in the modern day um, age of recruiting and everything else. And to me, there's a vibe that, quite frankly, hasn't been around the program in a long time because I was out there on campus when they hired Brian Kelly. The feeling now is there's so much more excitement now surrounding this hire than the Brian Kelly hire. That might be true. I, I, I couldn't tell you that. And I will say this. They were desperate to make the right hire 12 years ago. Yeah, and they had to. They, right. So they identified the coach. They yeah. went after him. You know, it wasn't a hard negotiation because he wanted the job. Yep. He earned the opportunity. Mm-hmm. He made the most of his opportunity. And now he's moved on to LSU. And now Freeman's going to have his opportunity. Yep. So, again, under the circumstances Notre Dame is, and I think Notre Dame throughout this past year has been prepared for this scenario. Yes, 100%. And now that they've made their decision, and... There were probably promises made when Freeman decided to come to Notre Dame. Yeah, well, I think possibly. I, I don't there know were, if there was promises, but there's definitely probably a scenario where they're saying, I don't know if you looked that far down the road. I don't know how you approach yeah. that conversation, okay? That's a totally different yeah. ethical mm-hmm. standard, yeah. like saying... Well, if he leaves, you'll be on the list. And the coaching waiting sometimes does not work out very well. Well, you can't do coaching waiting. It usually fails 99% of the time. It failed for Jimbo Fisher. It failed uh, for uh, Texas. It failed for them all. Wait, Texas still plays football? Yeah. I forgot it's the Kansas game. Yeah, coaching waiting just means you're firing the coach that's in there right now. That's all it means because everybody's looking over their shoulder. And your guy... And the other guys looking to ge- leap into yep. that to that mm-hmm. leadership position, so that just doesn't work. Uh, you can't hire within, and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, we can go back to Haycock at Youngstown State. Yeah, started out well and ended bad. Yeah, it did. And who knows? We can't predict the future. Uh, I definitely think Notre Dame has an opportunity. To succeed, and we'll yeah. see. We'll see where it lies going forward. Is the best way to put it. And then I would go, go even one step farther, and just say, you know, uh, it, I'm curious to see where Mark Stoops ends up at the end of. I this, am too. And even next, though he got the extension at Kentucky, those don't mean much. Well, no, all everything's a handshake. Yep. Everything's you can be quote unquote bought out. Now I don't know what his contract looks like, and I'm not here. And he may stay in Kentucky because he's built something mm-hmm. there, and kind of be similar to what I'm talking about. Fickle. He yeah. may make this. He might be comfortable. Yeah. Well, his brother Bob said the same damn thing at Oklahoma State when Oklahoma when yeah. he took over there, and the Ohio State job came open. He goes, "I already have the dream Bob, job." Yep, exactly. So we'll just wait and see. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. And we'll just, again, it just takes time. Oklahoma needs to move fast because recruits are... Well, yeah. I mean, this and is the problem. This and, is the and problem. that's the problem that college... It's a college football problem in general. That's why... Early recruiting Why period. do you think LSU fired Oregon when they did? Yep. Because they wanted to have, really, the pick of the litter. And they identified... And then her. what happened yep. was USC got involved, and then, you know, Domino's fell. Yep. They may have been looking at Riley. I'm not saying they were. Maybe they were. And Riley went, you know, know, shocked the world and went to the USC. Well, that changes the whole dynamics of everything. Let me say And LSU knew they had to make a move. LSU identified who they wanted. Negotiations. Scott Woodward might be the best athletic director in the country. Because you look at his past hires. At Texas A&M, he got Jimbo Fisher away from Florida State when nobody thought that Jimbo Fisher would leave Florida State. Yeah. Then at LSU, he's gotten Brian Kelly and Kim Mulkey to leave Baylor after 26 years. Yeah. And she was the second, you know, her and Gina Ariema were one and two. But you're right. LSU and Scott Woodward come after you with money. And it, well, money it's wins. tough rem- money, yeah. money wins most of the times. Um, doesn't that mean your team wins? But it means you get the person that you want. Um like I said, money talks. It does, and it, you know when you throw ridiculous numbers out there, um, I don't care who you are. It's tough to say no. Yeah, and 
quite honest with you, if I someone threw, you know, a a hundred percent raise to me tomorrow, I would probably take yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Much as I rank really, really yeah. love my new job, I unless if, someone comes at you with with but, like thirty dollars an hour. Well, yeah, yeah. exactly. And you got to listen. You'd be foolish not to. And. No matter what you do, um, sometimes you get to a point in life where it doesn't matter and you're more secure. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really, it's not that big of a deal. This is a legacy thing for his family. Yep. I mean, you, his grandchildren are set yep. for life with this contract. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way it works. Uh, you know what? We could talk about the NFL, but we could do that another day. Yeah. Uh, we, we still got to talk about YSU finishing their season. Yeah, we, we could do that and another day, yeah, too. Exactly. And There's so much going on. Yeah, and look, quickly, I'll say this. Um, not thrilled that they won the last game. Doesn't really matter. No, the difference uh, between 2-8 and 3-7 and is meaningless. Yeah, it's insignificant. It's like 8-8 eight eight or 7-9. I'm still, nine still concerned about the direction of this program I going forward. I'm majorly concerned. And... Uh, uh, you know, my statement stands as is. Is you know, this that's is why I was kind of hoping that uh, this, Dick will it get could be the Stroya two point oh. Yeah, could be a Stroya two point We're going down. You know what? Instead of in the football beating a dead horse, being negative, how about the women's basketball team? Yeah. After four or five players leaving graduation, yeah, I think transfers. I had nine new players this year. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, I mean, yeah, they've Coach got Barnes some down, knows what he's down doing. There. He's always done well. All right. Um, We'll get into the basketball season coming up uh, in case so we don't talk to you between this time next week, next Friday and Saturday. LCSportsNet.com is mm-hmm. the best way to uh, watch some uh, high school basketball from uh, Lawrence County. And if you're out and about, AM 1200 WKST will have all the uh, action for uh, the men, uh, the boys' uh, Newcastle basketball. Mm-hmm. So. That's about all I have, and we will talk to you uh, next week. Hopefully, uh, we'll get back into this. It's been crazy uh, with my new job and Anthony's responsibilities and uh, a thousand things going on. So we're going to try to get back into a routine here. We will talk to you soon right here on Radio MBP.